I'm gonna be really what good for this. What is with this motherfucking metronome? No. Alright, can I just do a quick check? Yes. So, it, it, was check. it was so yeah. tedious. If we can have the white and black noise quiet <laughs> <laughs> in the background for one moment, that would be okay. much appreciated. I think we're a little hot. You're gonna laugh, so give me a loud laugh. <laughs> <laughs> thrilled to be a part of this project. It's Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> this is very sophisticated. It is. Um, okay, guys, so I have Taylor Griffin, who is my dear friend, high schoolmate, high schoolmate. Let's, let's say high schoolmate. I like that a lot, actually. The term. Um, it is now. And you are also press secretary for amazing human being, speaker, minority speaker of the house, Nancy Pelosi. And you didn't turn off your phone. It's my the interview's little, over. It's my little brother. Sorry. It's really good to have Sorry. you. Thank you so much, Taylor. I'll Sorry. see you next time. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> it's a wrap. Um, we also, if you hear a booming low voice, it is <clears throat> our friend Adam Boone, who also will be on here at some point, and we can hear lots about his photography and obsession with buying the newest iPhone. And with sunsets. Yes. Sunsets, new iPhones. All and. Of it. We also have Alice, who is an amazing genius human being as well. This is true. Hello. So we've got we've got a whole panel here. Um, okay, so basically, I with this new podcast, what I'm trying to do is I feel like I realize that my greatest joy in life is cooking for people and inviting them into my home or into their own home. In this case. <laughs> Special and, edition. And. Um, giving them food, which I'm not doing for you, once again, so it doesn't count. Providing you chocolates. Um, and just asking them why they do what they do. Because I think that it's really easy to... I feel like when we're younger, we're so creative and we're so inclined to, you know, pursue things that bring us joy. And you're just... A lot, you take more risks and you're a little bit bolder. But as you get older, it's so much easier to just fall in line and so this podcast, like, everybody's brain dead. It's a line from a song I wrote, but basically the whole... Oh, I know the song. <laughs> Don't know if you've heard it. <laughs> it's a big effing deal. Um, but, yeah, basically the idea behind it is, like, when you're a creative person or just a passionate person in whatever field, it can feel a lot of times, like, you're conscious. You're just hyper-conscious all the time, and comparatively, it can feel like the people around you are just walking around unconsciously. And I'm just really interested in why you do what you do, even though it's hard, and why you, you know, stick with it and why you're passionate about it. But um, can you talk about what you do? Because you have the craziest job. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you even do in a day? What does it mean to be a press secretary? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> what If you were to watch, like, compare it to a TV show that everyone knows, like some political show, who, who are you? Well, um, people often like to compare me to CJ Craig from okay. The West Wing, which is funny because I've never seen The West Wing, so here <laughs> <Me> we <neither>. are. <laughs> great. great! You and show. I both. Here, it's a great show. Lots of seasons. Um, but 
big picture, uh, I am part of a communications shop um, that works for Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi. Um, I am one of her uh, spokespeople, uh, which means that I speak uh, on her behalf to media outlets. Um, so you like give interviews and stuff? So yeah, I, I can do interviews on, you know, um, on background, you know, I'll be that like senior Democratic aide that's quoted in <laughs> stories and whatnot. Um, but our job is really to kind of creepily be in the mind of, of Nancy Pelosi and um, know what she's thinking, what uh, the strategy is that she's trying to pursue. Um, right. So that you can speak on her behalf. So that I can speak on her behalf, right. And right. and to, uh, to make sure that we are... Um, pushing the democratic message uh, across all of our platforms, whether that be social media platforms or um, ver the variety of media outlets, uh, you know, national TV, uh, local publications, um, the Washington, D.C. press corps. Um, so my job is to really help push out the democratic message. Um, and we've had to find creative ways uh, to get our message out since we are in the minority. Yeah. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not, we are not the default uh, position in Washington, right? That's the Republican position. So uh, we've had to find creative and fun ways to, um, you know, uh, not just be, you know, an opposition party, but be uh, the party of progress with a platform, um, you know, a general message, which this cycle is uh, a better deal so mm -hmm. better jobs better wages and better future and that's um we we have all of our house democrats pushing uh and the senate democrats pushing all across the country and um it's our uh alternative to the republican plan so right. it's my job to help help push that out so your job is to just push that message forward and hopefully eventually that will push Democrats to become majority once again. Correct. So it's it's our job to so to not help. very much responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> no. Quite small. Uh, <laughs> quite small. Um, but no, you know, a lot of what I do is, you know, I'll travel around the country with my boss, um, and we'll team up with a member uh, in whatever district we're in. So we could be in Rhode Island, we could be in Northern California, Southern California. Florida, Louisiana, wherever, um, and we are. Oh! <laughs> you got a Christmas. Christmas. Christmas is falling on me. Large, <laughs> large bag, just kind we of. We shall slowly, overcome. Mysteriously, started crashing down on you. Anyways, um, wrapping paper. Um, so you guys aren't specific to California. You're just any anyone in the house. You go all around. We will, yes, my boss will travel all around the country um, to do work on the political side, um, which means fundraising um, mm -hmm. and, and raising money so that we can uh, put it behind the incredible candidates that we have running for office uh, in 2018 on the House side. Mm -hmm. um, but usually she'll then want to do an official event, um, which is where I come in. I'll usually plan some sort of press event that'll highlight... Um, our better deal economic agenda and how that would impact the community that we're in and obviously for the better, um, just so that they know what we're up to, right? Yeah. Um, we're working on uh, increasing the transparency behind or between what goes on in Congress uh, uh, and what the American people see. Um, so 
it's a little bit about my job. It's kind of weird yeah. to, <laughs> it's kind of difficult to put it all into one yeah, short I little mean, paragraph. Yeah, but. I'm sure. <laughs> but like, do you, do you feel like it's over your head? Like when you think about all of the problems and the complexity of the stuff that you're doing, like I think that a lot of people, I mean, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or what, but people have a tendency to think that there's something bigger that older people or more educated people or whatever, they'll take care of it. But like you are one of the people who actually, you know, is doing it. Like, do you feel intimidated being like, well, this is Nancy Pelosi and what if I get it wrong or what if I don't understand everything that's happening? Or do you feel totally confident and like, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's a balance. Yeah, day, you but. know, um, she's so interesting to just sit, watch and listen. She has... You know, she's 77 years old, has That's more crazy. energy than me, which is saying a lot. <laughs> um, she's been doing this for 30 years. Yeah. And so her knowledge of of Congress as an institution um, and then politics in general is just, I mean, so incredibly deep that I, you know, yeah. I'm just brushing <laughs> on the surface trying to do what I do. Right. Um, so it's, it's finding that balance for me of, you know, knowing that I'm not going to know everything. Right. But knowing for me as a spokesperson, I really just need to know the top five talking points of every single major subject. And <laughs> oh, that's just, that, just that, right? <laughs> um, whereas our senior policy advisors need to know in depth right. all of the policy um, on every single topic that's in their purview. So right. um, <clears throat> I kind of luck out in that capacity. <laughs> yeah. I just need to like pretend that I know a lot about everything <laughs> when really I know those top you, five points right, and carry script. on. Um, Would you ever want to go into policy? Uh, you know, I initially thought I wanted to do policy. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of what uh, drove me into politics. Um, but I ended up falling in love with um, political communications, which mm. I literally stumbled upon. Yeah. Um, so, um, but I definitely, you know, would definitely consider going back and in, in pursuing an interest in policy, um, you know, in whatever little niche I choose. But um, it's the policy that initially got me interested. Right. Um, I feel like it kind of has to be. Or yeah, else you would go into it has some to be issue driven. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Definitely is a, an issue driven. Um, for me, it's definitely more values driven. Actually. Yeah. Um, you know, as Democrats, we have the same core values. We're all over the place. Yeah. I mean, it is a large umbrella party, right? Yeah. But we are all uh, united by our values, common values. Um, and shared uh, morals. Um, and so it's from there where we branch out and, you know, are passionate about all these different topics. Yeah. You know, um, and politics is messy as hell. Democratic yeah. politics, <laughs> extra messy, right? Sure. And so everyone well, it was can't like... can't be as messy as what the fuck is going on in the Republican Party. I don't know them. Um, <laughs> who? <laughs> who? Paul Ryan, who? Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's that's... The party's always been like that. It's yeah. always messy. What we saw in 2016, yeah, it was probably, you know, the first time in a decade or so we've seen, like, a kind of messy fight uh, at the presidential yeah. level. But our our party's politics has been like that for right. a long time, right? I know. It's just um, more, there's just more of a magnifying glass on it. Right. Absolutely. 
with the way that it's being covered and the yeah. types and then the person in office obviously it's for like sure perfect storm but who we also don't acknowledge I, <laughs> um i'm curious like your boss is 77 years old and you're 26 um do you feel do you, what is the difference politically like you and your friends who are all young activists and politicians or young people going into politics like do you feel a big gap between the older politicians in your party or do you and how do you reconcile that because i think that stuff has changed so much where it's like a really progressive stance to have for example like obama on gay marriage like less than 10 years ago it wasn't something you would say out loud like how yeah. do you how do you feel about just the difference between yeah between the young people in your office versus the older ones? Sure. Well, I think um, <clears throat> what's been really beautiful about our party at large is we um, have really been driven by the youth, uh, mm -hmm. historically speaking, right? Um, you know, that line that everyone says, the youth shall lead, right? Um, and, you know, there's, I mean, there's always going to be a little bit of tension, right? Um, but I think... Um, I think the the party officials at large have been really receptive to to what the younger generation um, has put forth as their main priorities, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, just thinking back to the 2016 election, right? Um, you know, people weren't going to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement, right? right? But it's when their rallies and their campaign meetings started getting in, interrupted by um, by organizers and by um, activists that they were like, no, you're going to listen to this. And right. then they were like, oh, okay, I guess this is going to have to be one of our priorities during this campaign season, right? Right. Um, so while there was a little bit of tension, they were still at least somewhat receptive to that. Um, and that's because, you know, we are the future, right? right. We are the future um, here in our country or the future of the party that we uh, identify with and that we vote for. So, um, you know, again, because our party is a giant umbrella party, you know, people are used to you know, pushing and shoving their priorities up front. And, right. you know, um, we, we do well at seizing the moment. As far as like a, a generation gap within the office, um, you know, I think it's it's a cool dynamic where we're learning from each other, right? So I learned from the older staffers who have been there since, like, the 80s, right? right? <laughs> like, before I was even a thought. Um, and they're learning from me, right? You know, like, I've been pushing um, our office on getting on new forms of social media and um, being creative with how we are engaging with constituents. Um, and, you know, there's been some pushback, right? Not everyone's like, are they like what's a Twitter moment? Why are we doing one? What's an Instagram <laughs> story? Why are we doing one? Are and I like, have to present my case and be like... Token millennial where they're like, oh, you must like tell us about... So I was until like this year we got a ton more millennials in our press <laughs> office, which was very comforting because yeah. now people are like, oh yeah, totally, let's do a Twitter moment. And then the older people in our press office are like... Okay, I mean, if you know what that means, <laughs> then go forth and do it. I've never heard of that. It's okay. I'll get you hip, girl. Okay. Yeah, fix me up after um, So I think it's, I think it, there's an at least an open uh, dialogue there between mm -hmm. the generations that allows us to uh, learn from one another. Um, but it all starts with a basic respect for each other because we all respect that we are right. doing this work for a shared 
common goal with a shared common value or values. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, that must be so, do you ever feel, do you ever feel like your values are compromised? Like when you have to speak about something that you don't agree with, or is it more like everyone's on the same page most of the time? Um, I would say almost everything that I've asked, that I'm asked to speak about, um, is aligned with my values and my beliefs. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. There have been a few times where they have not. Uh, and that is, you know, that's always a challenge. It's always something that we as, as spokespeople have to, uh, reconcile that, right. you know, we are not representing our values. I yeah. mean, our, you know, our opinions, right? We are supposed to be representing the opinions of our boss. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there have been a few times where I'm like, oh boy, this is yeah. not what I <laughs> want to say, but yeah, this so is what I have to say. Um, so, uh, that can sometimes be difficult. Um, and sometimes that can be, you know, avoided by, you know, it not being a quote from the spokesperson. It could be a quote from your boss, right? Mm-hmm. Or it could be what we call an on background quote, which is, um, you know, a quote that you'd attribute to some other title you hold, like senior democratic aide or, right. you know, one of those other, um, ways around it, um, mm-hmm. which help kind of distance it but you know at the end of the day you know your job is to represent your boss and, and not yourself ultimately yeah but, which is why you try to work for someone who aligns mostly with almost if not all your values the majority of right. your values and opinions on the major issues of the day right okay so last time i saw you was when i was in dc yes so fun. with your mama yeah, there yeah me and my mom got like drinks at some trendy place lady lit <laughs> barcelona on 14th street <laughs> go um, there that was recommendation that was really good actually so um, good adam wishes he was there yeah. now he's giving us an eye roll well sorry that you were invited to michelle obama's women's summit maybe, yeah maybe sorry. next year Sorry, you've also never come to visit me in D.C. That's another topic for another podcast episode. Um, but when I was talking to you at that point, you were like, I mean, I think you were starting to feel burned out. You, it was before you had been promoted, and you, have, you just from talking to you, you were like, yeah, I'm, up, I'm there until midnight, like one in the morning, whatever. Like, you're up early. You were just grinding really hard, and you were, <laughs> shut up. Um, that's like, that's the thing that interests me the most. Like, how do you, how do you do something? How do you motivate yourself to keep doing something of value? And like, how do you decide when enough is enough or when it's not worth it to keep going? And like, you know, could you have, you know, if you hadn't been able to tough it out, like you may have had a totally different path. You may have left that office and not had that promotion. Like, how did your promotion come about and how did you push yourself to to stick it through. Sure, sure. Yeah, no. <laughs> I feel like every month or so there's a time where like, that's it. We're done here. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but actually, um, you know, it's working in politics and particularly uh, for Congress can be very, very frustrating, right? Um, Are you employed by the federal government? Yes, ma'am. Oh my god, that's crazy. <laughs> Super sick. Hope we don't have a government shutdown. Just kidding. We passed the bill. We won't. Um, but you know, it's one of those things that can be very, very frustrating. Um, particularly 
my entire Hill experience has been when we're in the minority, which means we can't right. really do a whole lot, right? That's um, so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Um, you know, we're at a time where it's incredibly, incredibly um, partisan, and things that used to be done quite easily in bipartisan fashion, like, like a transportation bill, right? Like supporting right. infrastructure. CHIP, Children's Health Centers, right? Um, those used to be done so easily in a bipartisan manner, and we're in just such an extreme uh, partisan times where um, those basic things can't even get done. Um, and, you know, we're rehashing battles we won decades ago, right? right? Like women's access to comprehensive health care. Yeah. What? Like, what are we doing? Like, this is so dumb, you know? Yeah. Um, So, I mean, that adds to a lot of the frustration, but I think um, what keeps me going back into the office every day, aside from coffee and a paycheck, (laughs) (laughs) um, is that, you know, this isn't about me. Um, It's about um, the communities that I uh, am in and the communities that I want to advocate and fight for on a daily basis. Um, So if that means, you know, I'm in the office 13, 14 hours a day working on weekends, whatever, like that's what I'm going to do because ultimately, um, you know, I'm not here for myself. I'm here for, for, um, for my friends, for, uh, you know, for my undocumented friends, for for my friends in the LGBTQIA plus community, um, for my black community, you know, um, for the marginalized communities um, who are still seeking rights, basic rights in this country, right? Um, so that's ultimately what I'm there for. You right. know, this isn't like, oh, you know, I'm trying to get ahead, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> this government paycheck ain't that cute, so <laughs> it ain't for the squirrela. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine the amount of stress that you must feel like. And I think that people, I mean, everyone can relate to feeling stress in their day job. And like, like I've been reading a lot of political books. Like I read Hillary's book and I'm reading Joe's book, which... Joe, he's still my heart. (laughs) Joe is the actual best human on the planet. And like, I'm just reading even like, I mean, I think it was a deliberate stylized writing technique, but the back and forth between him having like a national, you know, policy conversation and then getting back on the phone and talking about his son and, you know, finding out what's going on with whatever treatments he's going through and then jumping back on a call to, like, negotiate peace and, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, that, I just can't even fathom that level of stress. And again, like, that's why I'm, it's so interesting to talk to you and it's so interesting to read books like that is because I can't even fathom what it would be like to have the responsibility of being the president of the United States or, like, mm. being the Speaker of the House, but it's a human being who does that. Like, that's just a woman who once was yeah. a girl who just... I mean, it's almost just, like, a confidence thing for me. It's, like, how do you have enough faith in yourself to believe that, like, this is my vision, this is what I think is right, I think I'm the best person for this job, and I just go and do it. Like, I can't. It's so yeah. incredible. It is. I mean, it's it's really it's really incredible and, and rewarding. I think for me, I you know am, am lucky being in a leadership office where I interact with the members, all the members in our caucus on a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and That's so cool. I get to see their human side, which is um, 
which is which is really nice, right? Because um, I spend a lot of time having to perform the role of legislator, of yeah. pol- politician, right? They have to go on the House floor and give a really impassioned speech about why we should fund children's health centers, right? Um, but, you know, I see them at 8 o'clock in the morning when they're still groggy-eyed, tired, <laughs> like still wearing their sneakers, haven't turned into their flats yet or whatever. Um, and, um, you know, I joke around with them. We're, we're all there late nights. We're all there early mornings. You know, I see right. them when I'm traveling with her on the road, right? Um, so that's all. It, it's nice to be able to put, uh, you know, to humanize these folks, right? Because yeah. if I'm there 13 hours, that means they're also there 13 hours, right? These are public servants like myself who are working on behalf of the American people, right? You know, yeah. it'll be 9 p.m. and I'll be in my boss's office and, you know, she'll have her shoes kicked off from the corner <laughs> and she's curled up on her couch, right? And, you know, this was the first woman speaker of the house, but we're having a very real casual moment right now where right. she's exhausted, tired, mm-hmm. yawning, rubbing her eyes, has yeah. her shoes off somewhere in the corner after being on her feet in heels for 13 hours, you know, fighting on behalf of When are we just going to outlaw heels? Just as you a, know, as a gender. I'm so here for that. I mean, um it's not even a gender thing, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. Anyone. You I know, don't think anyone should talk about um, heels. <laughs> I think the people who want to rock heels should absolutely exactly. rock heels. The fact that they're like kind of an unspoken rule in several workplaces yeah. is dumb. It's like Nancy Pelosi is not going to be wearing fucking heels. Oh my god. She be wearing, but she doesn't know what else to wear now. <laughs> she should She's be wearing trained. all birds. Someone should get her a pair of I mean, all shout birds. Shout out to Christmas. all birds. <laughs> Can we just do a shameless plug let's for do, all birds? Let's do time for a quick ad um, from our sponsors. <laughs> Alberts, the woolen shoe. Alberts. Adam, do you have anything to add for our ad? You're typically the world's comfiest shoe. Lightweight. (laughs) Your eyes just. You can wear them sockless. You can throw them in the in the dryer. Oh, I stuttered. That's not a good ad read. I've washed mine five times. Adam has washed his five times. You know, I'll be honest. My mom threw mine in the in the washer and then lost a bunch of pieces of them. <laughs> and, and I had to get new ones. So oh. maybe someone should get me a pair of slip-on Allbirds for Christmas. Ooh, I have Let's the I have the new slip-ons. You do. In addition to the regular standard lace-ups, Adam also has I've the slip-ons. What color Alice does not, but Alice has the lace-ups. Great. You have gray slip-ons. Yeah. So Alice and I need a pair of slip-ons. Yeah. We'll get that taken care of. It depends on how how wide and far this podcast reaches. Maybe we'll be able to get a couple pairs. Hey. What size are you? Oh, what size am I? I am a 10. Okay, we we need a women's 10 and a women's 8. Slip on all words. Anyone listening? Okay, cool. Anybody out there? No one asked. (laughs) And a men's No one asked for your size, Adam. Okay. <laughs> um, do you listen Ew. to all the political podcasts happening? Are you a pod save person? Um, so, funnily enough, no. Mm-hmm. I do not listen to any of those. Although my friend Tanya works at works at Crooked Media, so oh, she cool. helps produce Pod Save and all those wonderful podcasts. I um am actually pretty lame when I'm not at work. <laughs> um, I like to sit and read. And mm-hmm. I don't watch any TV shows except for Insecure. 
Amazing. Because show. I have to watch Insecure because mm-hmm. I live in a house with four <laughs> black girls. So did like, you watch it's a the house show. web series? Um, so I watched like a few episodes. I was not a consistent viewer. Again, I have like a problem with watching TV as Alice right. knows since she's known me since age five. <laughs> Unless I was at her house, of course, and we'd watch <laughs> office reruns like it was our job. I... And Summer Heights High. Oh, yes. Of course. Basis of our G's friendship. Room, G's room, G's room. Fuck Mr. G's, G's room. room. Oh, it's you gonna did, finish? We, did we remember the end of that jingle, or did uh, we just no. try to do blow you, through it anyway? No. We did. Okay. Do you remember that? She pointed or? towards you. Sadly, no. So you saw that Alice just came for me and then <laughs> couldn't back it up, so <clears throat> I think I get one on the scoreboard for that. It's all being recorded, so. Good. <laughs> 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 Um, yeah, I watched the entire. It was. I think the web series was called Awkward. Um, I really liked it. I was yeah. like, this girl is so fucking funny. She's so she, fabulous. She's producing a new show. I saw with Trayvon Free. Yes. Yeah. About a bi guy. Mm hmm. Yeah. I don't know anything bye beyond guy. it. Bye guy. <laughs> bye guy. <laughs> yeah. I, all I I was super excited and I went and followed him on Twitter and immediately just saw, uh, you know, people tweeting <laughs> terrible things at him being oh. like the black community doesn't want to see any bisexual men and he was like, you know, saying funny things back at God it. But I was him. just like the world The world blows. Funny, I actually sat next to him at the White oh. House correspondence dinner. <gasps> so the, funny. This year. Because we obviously all went because the president was being petty and didn't want to go. And so we're like, okay, well, if he's not going, then we'll go. <laughs> and so my friend Sarah Wire, who works at the LA Times, had an extra ticket at their table. And so I went, and it was him. And then um, David Litt, who was one of Obama's um, speechwriters, mm-hmm. who was also there. So it was like a fun like table. We just, That's... like, on the other side of me, <laughs> it was like crazy. two members of our caucus in congress so i like didn't uh-huh. obviously want to talk to them yeah. so just turned and, and talked to the other cool cats how do you like honestly how can you be in the same room as people who are just actively stripping away the rights of people you know and love like how can you get their presence so fortunately i don't spend much time with republican staffers thank god mm-hmm. If I were on our policy team, though, I would have to see them on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably wouldn't have a job because I would have gotten fired for <laughs> <clears throat> maybe verbal abuse Going of on one of them. Um, yes. Um, unfortunately, last November, so November of 2016, I did have to be in the same room as Vice President Pence. That sucks. It was uh, traumatizing, and I had to shake the hands of one of his staffers. Oh, my God. Brad. <laughs> if Brad. you're listening, Brad, I want you to know <laughs> that after I shook hands with you, I went into our kitchen and washed my hands. <laughs> Wash the scum right off. <laughs> Just needed to sage myself, too. But. How do you feel when, like, these people who you work with and love and know as a person get attacked in the media? Like, does it, I mean, how do you deal with? 
with that because I freak out when like you know some random men's right activist comes out of the woodwork and like finds my tweet and is like give Woody yeah. Allen a chance and I'm like fuck you <laughs> and my entire day is derailed and I'm like so angry I could like seeing red like how do you deal with <laughs> how do you deal with people you know I mean it is literally the Republican strategy to undermine any Democratic leaders who are a threat because people like them and, you know, they say terrible things about them. How do you, how do you deal with that? You know, um, when you work in politics, you really have to grow a thick skin. Um, it is a really vicious place sometimes, um, you know, uh, and as someone who has personally been attacked by right-wing conservatives um, online, people who wrote articles about me, like all this jazz. I mean, like, oh god, I had death threats and Are everything. You yeah, and so that was for my work um, when I was organizing with the movement for Black Lives, and so um, that was when I was still what. I had only been in the office for like a year at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of scary to be honest. Yeah. You know, I was only like, you know, 23. Yeah. And I, here I was being attacked by the right wing conservative media, you know, who are writing articles about me and all of their followers, you know, found me on Twitter and mm-hmm. DM'd me and, you know, tagged yeah. me in awful, awful tweets. Um, but that's like an extreme, right? Yeah. But, you know, just the daily bullshit that goes in Congress, like you have to have thick skin, yeah. right? And um, but with that thick skin, you know, you're able to continue navigating the work. Um, but you know, also be ready to throw a little sassy quote in the paper. You know, um, <laughs> that's part. Actually, one of the There's favorite things in my job. job. Yeah, you. it me. Um, one of my favorite parts is you know, yeah, doing the little jab, right? Because as spokespeople, we can do that, but yeah, you know, the members. Can't. Right. Well, they can, but not as frequently as we get to do that. Right. So oh, that's it's so always crazy. fun, you know, throwing something back in yeah. the Republicans' faces, right? I just can't imagine, like, there's so much. People are so quick to dehumanize other people, and I don't want to be boring because everyone fucking knows, like, yeah, that's the thing about the internet. You hide behind your computer. Like, we've all had this conversation, but it really is any time that you humanize it, and, like, you just think about. Like, it's like, it's Taylor. Like, you're someone who I've known mm. since high school. You're, like, a young girl. And for someone to, like, send you a death threat, it's like, do they understand? Like, do, like literally, do they understand that there is a person who, who they are scaring and intimidating? And like, humans are capable of crazy things, like, you know, mm-hmm. especially particularly in that party. Like, you know, it's the same type of people who, not that long ago, you know, literally lynched people, bombed people, murdered children. So obviously people, you know, are capable of horrible things. But I feel like a lot of times it's lay people who you wouldn't, you know, not like your average yeah. violent, like, you know, yeah. clearly there's something wrong with you. But like people who just get on their computer and turn into monsters. Like yeah. What is happening? What animalistic part of our brain is being unleashed? Yeah, there's some, some batshit crazy people online. <laughs> Oh Lord! I try to say it in my safe little enclave of like Black Twitter. Yeah. Um, shout out to Black Twitter. You are a real one. Um, no, you know social media has been so great in so many aspects, right? Being able to connect people um, 
across communities, across countries, across the globe, right? And it's one of the main uh, reasons why the movement for Black Lives was able to take off so quickly, because right. we were able to um, to advance our own narrative, right, without mainstream media characterizing uh you know, the movement as, uh, unfortunately in a negative light as it often did, um, or, you know, even misinterpreting facts or things that happen. Right. But yeah. social media gave us the power to control the narrative, um, and in real time, be able to push out, this is what's happening. You know, this officer just pushed this right. member and, you know, we exa- know exactly who that is because that's someone in our affinity group who we've been organizing with for the past you know, year someone, so we're right. able to identify them, you know, spread the word, you know, all that jazz. Um, but there's, mm-hmm. you know, very ugly sides of social media. And I think, um, you know, one of the issues is because you can kind of be anonymous on there if yeah. you want to, um, you know, people go to really dark places to, you know, <sighs> dehumanize entire groups of people in order to attack them um and they do it as a hobby you know they sit behind their computers and like let's follow this hashtag and attack as many people as we can online like first of all get a new hobby (laughs) second of all also get a job because what you doing fam um you know so it's 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 a it's a weird place um i'd like to think it does more good than harm um but you know that doesn't uh, that doesn't diminish the the severity of the harm that it does do, right? right. And I think um, all the platforms have have a necessity and have actually have to do something with the um, with the hate speech that goes on. Yeah. And I know Twitter is taking steps. Um, I know Facebook has been receiving the wrath of Congress for. Um, its role in Russia hacking and the horrible yeah. ads that Russia was pushing um, to the American people during last year's election, um, but every they all have a responsibility to to you know to act on this. They're saying that this is happening, right. you know. Well, and they haven't caught up with it yet, and they need yeah. to. They literally have absolutely. to. They absolutely need to because yeah. they are the ones who are allowing. You know, they've created this technology and. It's their responsibility to foresee this or to catch up with it as quickly as possible. For sure. And they're not there yet. And obviously they're doing what they can. But, like, I mean, even that bullshit, like, you know, the most recent Jack, that's his name? Jack Twitter Mm -hmm. guy? Like, Jack, (laughs) right? Not as memorable as Zuckerberg. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, his thing that was, like, you know, we're deleting all these counts and, like, give us patience give us patience. We're doing the best we can. And, like, we may get it wrong. Like, he literally said that in his statement. And it's, like... Okay, on the one hand, you've heard all the people, you know, flagging Donald Trump's thing as hate speech, but it's also like, what are you going to do about it? Like, you are a, you know, you're a major company, and people have a valid point. Like, if if the president is retweeting Mm -hmm. hate groups and you know spreading false information or you know inciting inciting a war or inciting riots, anything like that, that is and why. How do you draw that line? There has to be some kind of... It's obviously really complex, but... Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's something that all these folks are going to have to um, to grapple with is is where are they going to draw these lines and, and, you know, the balance between um, 
obviously free speech, but free speech does not mean hate speech is allowed, right? That's one of the dumbest equivalences, and I hate (laughs) that that's still a fucking equivalent. Sorry for my language, but (laughs) god damn. It's if it's you're a dumb free person, speech. you make that argument. Yes, Milo can come speak because it's free speech. What we what we not gonna do is that. If you make an argument right, about free speech, you just you need to just go home, sit down, and read a book, sit down you in a need corner, to go home and learn how to sit read, sit down in a corner, practice some critical thinking because <sighs> it's just not even worth a practice thinking period. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. It's interesting, like, going back to what you were just saying about social media and Black Lives Matter, like, think, I mean, it really is true that that movement is 100% social media-based because everything that they're talking about and sharing is something that has been happening for mm-hmm. 50 years. Like, it's nothing, or longer, but, I mean, contempor- like, it has been part of contemporary history this whole time it's not like all of a sudden all these things have popped up and it's really incredible that within a span of five years the addition of like facebook live or you know being able to live stream things being able to tweet and retweet things and have these major influencers who are just sharing this information so Mm -hmm. fast or like you know even just really witty influencers who are able to take a headline and immediately point out how biased it is right. and then have that be shared. Like that, when you see that over and over again, seeps into everyone's consciousness sure. and it educates everyone, even a lay person who like, you know, at first I was like, you know, had seen the hashtag, kind of heard about what it was, but mm-hmm. didn't really know. And then it got pushed so far to the forefront of everyone's consciousness that all of a right. sudden it's like, how could you not take an interest in this or take part of it? now that you're aware yeah but that's such a fast change and that wasn't I mean I think we've all changed a lot since high school or like you know I think either way we would be more aware I mean Adam is sitting over here (laughs) you are not the same guy you rock don't ever change hashtag don't change um tags but summer it's kind of (laughs) tags tags Adam (laughs) yearbook quotes um (laughs) But it's interesting to think about, I mean, I know that my awareness, and I'm sure you've had a different experience, but like, or I mean, a similar experience in whatever context, but like we went to this, excuse me, <laughs> getting real excited. <laughs> Go Bulls. Um, we, you know, obviously came from Marin County, went to a really small private school, really white, really straight, Mm -hmm. really just homogenous in a lot of ways. And like my worldview has expanded so much. And I mean, like I've learned so much about myself. Like I've learned about my sexuality. I have my identity. I'm not saying I'm a different person. I think I'm at the core pretty much the same, but you go through like this major identity shift. And like, I'm sure you experience that, like, you know, moving to DC and like, you know, just going to school with a different group of people. Absolutely. But I wonder... I wonder how much my mind would be opened up if every all the changes hadn't happened on the exact timeline that it mm. did. Like if I didn't start listening to more podcasts and, and learning more about all these different topics or, you know, like 
Yeah. Like, my girlfriend, who we were just friends at first in college, like, she gave me this book about feminism, and it, like, changed everything. Like, I read mm. it, and I was like, oh my god, this makes so much sense, and this, like, touches on all of these, like, thought seeds of thoughts I've had that I've never developed. Right. But, um, I mean, I think that we kind of grew up at an interesting time, because I learned so much about, like, social justice and about racial justice through Tumblr. Like, that was genuinely how... Because there are all these... I mean, I followed, like, just all these random people, and it would be these, like, young girls of color, like, having really long conversations, and I would read, and I'd be like, I'm not having conversations Mm. with someone who lives in Texas. I'm not having conversations with a 17-year-old, you know, Hispanic girl in Texas or whatever. And I would read these things, and I was like, oh, my God, so much is happening. And then... I would see stuff about Black Lives Matter and be like, oh my God, like this is all happening. And mm-hmm. it was like, it was such an important educational tool for me. Yeah. And it totally changed how I see everything. Just- well, I think social media, one of the great things about it is the dissemination of information, right? right? So, you know, you don't necessarily need to go straight to the library to <laughs> learn about, you know, what's going on um, in Black America, right? You can read about it from firsthand experiences um, through people you follow online, Yeah. right? Um, You don't need to know somebody. You don't need to know somebody, right? And I, you know, I follow so many of my favorite writers and poets, you know, on Twitter. Um, And, um, you know, and they're just, I mean, I'm obsessed with their brains and their thoughts, right? They're just so, so, so incredible. Like Clint Smith, one of the greatest minds in our generation, right? Um, Eve Ewing just came out with a new book. There's so many brilliant mm-hmm. people. What's that and, book called? Do you know? Um, Electric Arches. Cool. Yeah. I've seen Go that. out. Cop it. Cool. You too, Alice. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Will do. Good. Good. <laughs> Spread the word, fam. Um, you know, and that's one of the great things, right? You know, you can get insight into different experiences just through who you choose to expose yourself to um online right and you don't necessarily need to go to talks although I love going to talks right Mm -hmm. but you don't need to go to talks you don't need to you know wait for someone to publish their book if they even get a book deal right you can hear about these experiences online through following a hashtag you self-publish a book absolutely you can self-publish a book you can follow someone on their medium page because you found them on twitter right? right um and so Social media has allowed people, I think, to, um, to you know, have a window into the lives and experiences of other people who um, don't look like them, who yeah. um, don't act like them, who have, you know, varying privileges, right? Um, so I think that's one of the most beautiful things that I found about social media, right, is um, you know, a lot of the materials that I've read as I work to become an ally to the trans community, I've all found on Twitter, right? Yeah. Um, I follow like some kick-ass trans activists and I'm like, okay, awesome. They just wrote this. Let me read this, right? Let me read as much of this information that's coming from these people that I love to follow mm-hmm. um, so that I can work to become, you know, a better ally to the trans community, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the beautiful things about, um, about social media, right? It's the dissemination of information and hearing the voices of so many different people that you would have never had a connection to if it wasn't for social media. Yeah, I think it's going to make the world a lot smarter. Simultaneously making us smarter and dumber. But I think that... (laughs) True. (laughs) I do think that um, 
that you there are more ways if you are a curious person there are more ways to learn and there there's so yeah. much more information available and you know it's just like the printing press it's like you know access to information is just it's so much more available yeah and I was thinking about too just the podcasting format my girlfriend is um she's got like this type of brain where she can look at a page for like four seconds and ha- and then has read everything on it. She said it, reading is like looking at pictures. Like she just looks at it for like a couple seconds Jeez. and then understands it all. She's like a like a freak smart reader. <laughs> and so she reads all the time and she literally just, she goes to the library and gets like 10 books and then goes through them all and then tells me all about them. And I'm like, oh great, I just got like <laughs> really Shout out to like audiobooks. Uploaded. Exactly. Your girlfriend is Cliff Notes. That's awesome. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it's really, really great dating (laughs) cliffnotes.com. Shameless plug for Cliff Notes. Got me through a lot of high school. really helped me with the Odyssey. Um, (laughs) Chapter 77. Odysseus! (laughs) Odysseus. Did you have Malik? Who did I have? No. Uh Who did I have? Adam, who did I have? I don't know. You probably had Miss Clark, huh? I did. I had Malik. Oh, Malik, who I also caught up with several months ago. Really? Okay, I want to hear about that after this. Um, Yeah, basically, like, my girlfriend reads all the time, and she just, like, downloads information, and she knows so much. And I feel sometimes, like, in comparison, I'm like, I'm not expanding my brain enough. I'm not learning enough. But then I realize, like, I'm obviously a solid reader. Like, I know how to read. (laughs) But... but, Shout out reading. Uh, Shout out preschool. It's so helpful. Um, And etc. But I realize that I'm like a very social person. That's the Mm -hmm. type of brain that I have. And so I'll like not remember a person who I've met a bunch until I've had a conversation with them. And similarly, in high school, I did really well because I would take notes while my teacher talked. But mainly... I was listening to my teacher speak, and that's how I learned it. And then anything I wrote, wrote down was just some kind of prompt for me to remember back to a right. conversation yeah. I had. So I didn't really learn things from reading about them. I realize now, in hindsight, I learned things by mm. our amazing teachers. Mm. So for me, podcasting, listening to podcasts, I realized that it clicks so well with my brain because mm. I'm so social, and I feel like I've had conversations with these smart people about all these different yeah. things, and then like. I can listen to DeRay McKesson for an hour, yeah. and I'm like, okay, I just learned so much. Love me some DeRay. Like, it's, yeah, incredible, incredible human being. But I really do feel like I've been able to, my brain has been able to continue learning and growing mm. and expanding based on, like, that medium alone. Absolutely. And it's so cool that that we have so many more options. And hopefully the education as technology changes education will continue to shift with it and like there's so many more options for students and especially students who don't flourish off of reading or I mean most of my students that I teach are ESL and mm-hmm. it's so hard for them because it's like how are you supposed to take the SAT when like English is new in your first language and it's yeah so abstract that's a whole that's an entire other conversation though but but still a very important conversation to have <clears throat> I had a few like, let me look really quickly I had a couple things I wanted to ask you before do your thing my favorite color is green <laughs> what shade my what? best friend's name is Alice she's not really my best friend she's my <laughs> sister Alice um, is sitting next to my other best friend Adam Boom 
Oh, okay. Winston Boone. <laughs> I've got a couple questions. First of all, Winston, do you have anything you want to add? Do you have any questions for How Taylor? you doing, Winsty? Doing great. Um, Adam's been on his phone this whole time. They've been texting each other back and forth, Allison, Adam. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to read the gifts. <laughs> Lord Jesus, have mercy. It's been great. No questions. Okay. Any no questions? questions any questions for Taylor that you never get the chance to ask her? <laughs> um, career oriented, I guess. Um, depending on, I, I guess it's entirely contingent upon where this evolution takes you but what is the legacy you hope to leave behind in terms of long-lasting change if it's from a policy perspective or it's from a cultural perspective what would that look like mm. by the end of a career that's a great question wow how long <laughs> I like to keep it really serious Alice. and really heavy at all times <laughs> how long have you been storing I, up I, that I question i've been on this question for half your friend yeah. yeah i i guess well and, and what does it look like looking back on that many, like the blood, the sweat, the tears of um, of working so hard to make something happen for a message that's greater than one individual or one cause? What does it look like to um, to hang your hat on something or or to create a legacy for something? What does that look like for you? Well, shit. <laughs> I like to keep it uh, as I said, deep and serious and yeah, heavy so at all times. Brand, Are you interested in a co-hosting <laughs> on my new podcast? Um, well, I often lightheartedly and jokingly say, you know, do it for the culture. Um, mm. but no, in in all seriousness, um. You know, I think my 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 daily work, um, at least in Congress, um, part of you know the footsteps that I would like to leave is you know within my office most immediately um, is challenging them to see things from different perspectives. Right, I think um, something that I've been blessed to um, expose the office to is uh, you know. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm the first um, black spokesperson that the leader has ever had. Really? Um, and I'm... That's incredible. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. It's a big... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. In addition to Ashley Etienne, who um, previously was in our office, but, um, you know, and definitely the youngest black person she's had on, on her comms team. Um, and that has been an important role for me. Um because that means I'm bringing in my perspective as a young black woman, um, not just into the halls of Congress, but into um, the highest offices in Congress, right? Uh, and that uh, unique perspective that I bring into those rooms. Um, and, you know, you know, even just sitting at my desk and being like, oh, wow, you know, here we are, the height of the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, I see that Terrence Crutcher is the latest person shot by the police, right? What that looks like for me was um, obviously being enraged at my desk, but being like, hey, I'm drafting a tweet that I want the leader to send out from her Twitter account. Her Twitter account has 1.3 million followers. Her sending out a tweet on a topic uh, 
not only elevates it, right, but um, shows that she cares about this topic, right? Um, that's the power I get to have in my position, which I think is um, not only unique, but is incredibly important for the communities that I identify with. Um, and I think I've been able to push my office uh, in such a way where they're seeing these perspectives and the importance of these perspectives, right? Um, and being forth, you know, being out in the forefront on on certain issues that they probably would have, you know, waited till something came afloat and then, oh, now we have to deal with it, right? But um, to be able to push my office as established at it, as it as it is, of course, her being there for being there for 30 years, um, I think that's something that has been really important the past three and a half years that I've worked there. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, just in general, knowing that I'm, I'm fighting for, for folks on a daily basis, I think just having people know that, you know, I'm in this work on behalf of them um, is, is probably the most important thing the important part and that's what I'd want to to leave behind is that I was a fighter for all these communities and whatnot. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Alice. Wow. Damn. That is She's so... been sitting on that for full twenty one years of our <laughs> friendship. <laughs> Dang. Alice is like, and what do you plan to leave in your legacy? <laughs> um that's, you should be so proud. Like, that is unbelievable that you do that. That's an incredible accomplishment. And it really is actually doing everything in your power to contribute to the world the way you can. That's so amazing. Um, I, have a, I have a question just kind of, um, kind of piggybacking off of that. And then we'll um, have a full hour of Adam chewing these chocolates <laughs> that Nancy Pelosi gave to you. He can just crunch into the microphone. Nancy Pelosi is technically your member of Congress, so we are here to serve you. <laughs> we are here to serve you. Seize chocolate. Seize chocolates. <laughs> Shout out to Seize. Seize chocolates are my favorite thing in the world, and the fact that Nancy Pelosi gave these to you is... Fun fact, Nancy Pelosi literally survives off chocolate. Really? She oh. has chocolate everywhere in her mm -hmm. office dark chocolate what a woman Amen. yeah Amen. um breakfast yeah. lunch dinner everywhere in between in insane yeah. that's in that's amazing. how she does it that's literally that is the secret to her existence oh there you have it dark Ladies chocolate and, and pistachio nuts <laughs> <laughs> wow um just really quickly before yeah. we end i just want to know for someone who isn't in a unique position of having access to, you know, the Speaker of the House and access to a huge platform on Twitter. This is subjective, but in your yeah. opinion, what is the most important thing that just an average person can be doing right now? You know, it's funny. It's <laughs> going to boil down to these two words. Um, stay woke. Uh, literally stay woke. Become yeah. awakened. Continue your awakening. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, raising uh, your levels of awareness of what's going on in the world around you, what's going on in the lives of your friends who belong to different communities than you do um, and who identify differently than you. Um, 
that is the most important thing. Education is really the most powerful thing. Um, and just become well-read in, you know, whatever it is that you, you know, want to explore, right? Um, for me, like I said, the past few years I've been working on becoming a better ally to the trans community. That means I need to be reading articles all the time written by members of the trans community, right? Like I, 99% of being an ally is listening, listening to people of that community, right? And so that's how I challenge myself on a daily basis is, is reading uh, as much literature um, on the communities that I'm working to be allies with. Um, but for for folks in general, you know, get on social media, follow people who are different than you, who are writing badass shit and, you know, publishing things daily for you to read, even if it's in the form of 280 characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the most important thing is, is, is really literally staying woke. <laughs> Don't sleep, but you can take naps. <laughs> I'm going to take your advice while also continuing <laughs> to sleep for like 10 hours. <laughs> um, well, Tay, you have honestly just brought so much joy to my life and you have made such a difference in my life and in our brands and community. I mean, you're our class, you were our student body president. <laughs> How can I forget? You, I mean, you have always made a difference in every community that you've been a part of and now this is the federal government and I just (laughs) am so lucky that we have someone like you who is doing what you do. Oh, thank you. So thanks for joining me. Oh my gosh. I, before, before we go, I do just want to remind everyone that Maddie and I were Mm. uh, (laughs) co-leaders of our high school acapella group beyond reason. I still have my sweatshirt. I don't know about you. (laughs) Um, so, you know, maybe look out for that on a, a subsequent episode. I, I do. <laughs> Maybe hit some harmonies for you. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll record an outro. <laughs> Lamp. Burning. Burning. <laughs> we made some amazing music together. We sure did. Sorry. Weird acapella jokes. <laughs> okay. I think it's time to shut it down. Yeah. Okay. Bye, y'all. <laughs>